Welcome to the e-commerce growth show brought to you by Segmentify. Mariana, thank you very much. Uh, once again, we are here uh, joined by Carlos, uh, Scott Emans, Mariana uh, Satanas, who's the global uh, head of digital sales at Eaton Shirt. So Scott, you can introduce her bio and we get to this other amazing episode with her. All right, Carlos, thank you. So hi, uh, Scott Emmons here for another uh, episode of the e-commerce growth show USA. And we are excited to have uh, Mariana Satanas uh, uh, with us today. Uh, uh, you know, looking at your bio, uh, Mariana, uh, uh, you've been, uh, you know, kind of in the e-commerce world for quite a while uh, and uh, 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 with a lot of different roles, right? You know, starting, uh, you know, over in the UK uh, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, notably, uh, you know, part of Net-A-Porter for some time. Uh, from 2006 to 2015, uh, you know, where a, a lot of changes happened in the e-commerce world as well as at Netaporter over that time uh, uh, as well. Uh, in 2016, you, you jumped over uh, the pond to New York City and have had uh, uh, multiple roles uh, in e-commerce, a lot of that uh, around luxury uh, uh, and, and fashion. Uh, with a couple of exceptions uh, that you know uh, we'll talk about, uh, and uh, uh, today uh, 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 with Eaton Shirts, uh, focusing on uh, uh, the B two B side and the uh, uh, the wholesale side of that business, from what I can tell uh, from your bio. Uh, so uh, uh, I'll be you know we'll love to hear more about what that role uh, entails. So thank you for joining us uh, on National Dance Like a Chicken Day. First of all, uh, uh, it's all more probably, you know, more apropos to me. It's also National Buttermilk Biscuit Day, which. Uh, oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, very, <laughs> yeah, very appealing to me. Uh, <laughs> so thank you very much for having us. And you, you are joining us, I assume, from New York. I am. Yes. Great. So uh, I'm, I'm in Dallas and uh, Carlos, uh, where are you today? In Denmark. In Denmark. Still oh. in Denmark. I always have to check with you. Yeah, yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's Yeah, we have a family in Brazil, family in Denmark. You know, it's so nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, let's start off on a personal note. Uh, you know, when I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, getting ready for uh, for today, uh, one of the things I noted is that you speak Greek. Tell us about that. Yes, my, um, my parents are from Cyprus. Um, and so I'm first generation born Greek Cypriot. Um, so growing up, my first language was Greek. Um, well, I say first when I was when I started speaking, my first words were Greek um, until I went to like um, like nursery, like preschool. Um, so yeah, and Cyprus is like my my. It's definitely close to my heart and um, go there quite a lot, especially as children. Every holiday we were there. Awesome. That's, it's a place I have not been to yet, but it's certainly definitely on my bucket list of someplace. Oh, you I should go. Yeah, you should someplace go. I need to go. Yeah. Yeah. Are, sorry, are you into tennis by any chance? I, I used to play tennis when I was at oh, school. Right. Yeah, and I love watching like you know Wimbledon in the US. Yeah. <laughs> Open that switch up. Because I played tennis uh, myself when I, until I was eighteen years old, and I I had the 
the opportunity to see Baghdadis, you know. Ah, nice. That guy is insane, and he's, he's from. Crazy, uh, so, yeah, 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 it's yeah, really yeah. crazy. Very it's all his style, you know, so aggressive and it's yeah. just amazing. So yeah. Yeah. Aggressive Greek go hand in hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no matter what you do. Uh, no. Sorry. Did, did you did you ask me a question? No, no. Oh, sorry. <laughs> go on, Scott. All right. Well, let's let's, let's let's go back in time a little bit and 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 maybe uh, talk a little bit about your time uh, at Netaporter, uh, which, as, as we said in the intro, two thousand six to two thousand fifteen. You know, and I, you know, you sort of you evolved definitely in your role there, right? You know, uh, over time, it kind of grew. I think you know, in terms of responsibility and and uh, you know uh, what you were doing. Uh, with those folks and you know like i said when you when you look at the kind of the history of netaporter a lot of big changes there in terms of ownership and uh you know being acquired uh you know around 2015 i think by ukes and uh uh so uh tell us a little bit about how you know you landed your role at, you know at netaporter and and you know how things transpired you know how did you get from a to b there yeah sure um I guess it all started like I um, I studied graphic design at college and university, and when I was at university, you know there was a whole um, big dot com um, bubble, and obviously Netaport, and we started learning about like web development and then Flash and then designing for the web, and it was like what is this? Um, and this is back when we were on dial up, so getting onto the internet was ugh, it took you about ten minutes just to even open a page. Um, but as time evolved, um, I left university and I had my first job was actually at a company um, that sold EPOS systems to stores and they were really wanting to have, you know, websites and, you know, they, a lot of the customers were, you know, they were quite high-end luxury, they were selling quite high-end luxury brands and they always referred to Netsporte. And that's when I first had a Netaporte. So we're talking like late 2005, early 2006. And so I'd go on the site. I'm like, who's buying a thousand like shoes that cost a thousand pounds online? This is crazy. You're gonna wanna have to try it on. And the concept to me was just like, this is never gonna work. Um, but I was completely wrong and, and glad I was wrong. Um, so then I decided to leave the company I was at, I and mean, it was great, but I wanted to get a bit more experience. So there was an opening at Netaporte as a web producer, um, which was part of the IT team. And my responsibility there was to produce, the, to create the content that our creative team um, had designed and basically develop it for online. Um, and at the time, there was only two of us doing this role, yeah, two of us doing this role in the IT team. And when I joined, I think there was only like 20 developers. Um, and Netaporte just launched um, the DC in the US as well. So we were quite a small team. Um, and by the time I left, there was about 250 people in IT. Um, so, you know, we grew massively and then really fast as well. So it all started from me working closely with creative and marketing and it was and working on the magazine and then making sure that the homepage was done on time. And it naturally evolved from there. Um, you know, it was all open planned. It was an office in Whiteleys, which is um, a mall in um, Bayswater in London. 
um, or open planned, you know, and we were open planned, but not to say that people didn't really speak to each other because we did, but creative, you should just send, you know, the, the assets to IT. IT would do it and be like, okay, we're live. There was no like communication in between. Um, but when I got there, I was like, because I was used to dealing with other with other customers. I'm like, okay, I've done it. It's on staging. Do you want to check it? And Crave like, what do you mean? Do we do we want to check it? I'm like, well, check it. See if you're okay with it. How it looks. Um, and then we started like a new approval process. And then from there, we just you know got we just evolved. It was Nesporte was all about pushing the boundaries. Um, and you know everyone, you know, having their own autonomy, um, and just always, just not necessarily, you know, we never thought any idea was a bad idea. Let's try it. Let's see how it works. Let's go for it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, so yeah, it, it was. We had a lot of fun at Netflix yeah. to begin with, and then, then quickly it was okay. We're launching an outlet. So I was like, okay, we're gonna have another, we're gonna have another shop front, um, and that was a lot of fun, um, and we did that fairly quickly. Again, we launched this when we were on White Leads. It was the same team until they, um, until we built built up the Outnet team, um, and I remember launch, the launch of the Outnet. It was literally four o'clock in the morning, and I pressed the button to go live, um, and Natalie Massenane, Stephanie Fair were like there with us at four o'clock in the morning handing out teas and coffees and breakfast on their trolleys um because that's what the leadership team did right they were just like you know you guys are working hard growing this business and we're going to be here with you um doesn't matter what what level you are on or what your title was we were all in it together and it was a great moment it was it was great and then from there you know we were, i was managing to the two businesses my team had expanded i was now a web production manager so my team were responsible for creating the content on both websites and managing it um and you know our relationship it's relationship with creative marketing became much more closer we were working much more together um you know we it was always we, we reported to different people but we were one team because we're all part of the same process um, and the same vision. Um, and then after a couple of years, um, well, not even after a couple of years, actually, shortly after the outlet launched, it was, okay, what's the next big thing? And it was the, the creation of Mr. Porter, um, which I hold very, you know, it's very, Mr. Porter is very special to me. I was a part of the, um, a little team working on it from two years before it even went live. We had, um, you know, we had the opportunity to submit a business idea to the exec team. And I was one of the people who um, submitted an idea about having our own men's site or men's brand. Um, and anyone who had a similar idea got to work on Mr. Porter from the very early stages. Um, and it was great. And I was always going to be a part of the build of it because of my role, because I was really on, a, on on the group level. But um, as the more and more I worked on Mr. Porter, the more and more I, I don't know, it became really special and I loved it. Um, it was great. It was going to be a great brand, still is a great brand, um, great buy. Um, and then once it launched, I was finding that I was doing, like I was across all three sites and it just became too much. 
Um, so I wanted to become quite focused on one brand. Um, and at that time, the we had split the teams. You had teams that were across the group who were working on the three websites, like central services, but then you had like product teams um, and dedicated buy teams, dedicated creative teams, who and dedicated front end teams who were working on each site. And there was an opportunity for me to join Mr. Porter um, and become, I started off as a product manager there. And then from, from being becoming a product manager, we then evolved to become like head of e-commerce. But I was working very closely, like we sat, so the product owners and I sat with the IT team. And then I had the site trade team who also reported to me, um, literally sitting on the bank next to us. Cause again, it was still open planned. And then, yeah, like it was, it, it was fun. Like Nez Porte was fun. You know, it was never, um, there was never a dull moment. And I always say that I, I graduated from Nez Porte. Like that's when I learned everything that I know today about, about it, it, you can tell that you, I mean, you speak about it with passion, so uh, you can you can feel that that you know that you loved uh, that role. You know, and it's it's a really interesting story to me because you know I, I grew up in you know from the IT infrastructure, IT technology, and and you know sort of uh, uh, grew into the role of being you know on the on the business side, right, and the, and the customer side of fashion and luxury. So, you know, it's, it's not where I started, you know, so I feel some, you know, some similarities uh, 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 there as, you know, I was a very technical, technical role. I actually was brought on at Nima Marcus as a business intelligence uh, consultant uh, is, is how I started there and was uh, doing product reporting uh, and, and building data marts and, and that sort of thing. So it was, you know, quite a different role. Uh, at the time, I, I, I was interested, you know, early on in your in your story there, you know, that you mentioned that uh, you ran into some kind of silo uh, issues, you know, even for, a, you know, an all digital play, uh, you had, you know, creative, not necessarily talking with, you know, the, the, the technical team and so forth. And, the, and you had to bridge some gaps where I had to, you know, deal with that and uh, maybe, you know, we also had a, our physical store business was a much bigger business at the time than our our online business uh, at Neiman Marcus. The uh, uh, but the, there definitely was these silo issues there mm -hmm. as well. And and uh, 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 interested to uh, you know hear you know how how did you guys you know approach and overcome uh, those communication uh, uh, challenges? I I mean I. It was quite easy because we were a small team at that time um, and it was literally just hopping across over to the creative desks and talking to them um, or just sending an email um, just just including like including people more in the conversation like there was some things that could get designed that at the time wasn't necessarily how the designer would have envisaged it on the web because when you design back in those days when you were designing it, it wasn't it wasn't easy as it is today to translate onto the web so we had to have that conversation and it was like at sometimes it was a compromise it was like okay you can't do this because it won't look like how you want it to do but you can do this you know so it was i'm a strong believer like it's never a no it's like okay what can we actually do 
Um, and then, you know, we, and then it just organically happened. You just started having these conversations and these discussions. And um, I remember when um, Joe Baldwin joined um, Netta Porte as a creative director, you know, she and I, like, we, I mean, we're great friends today. And we, we started off, we had a similar vibe, you know, she had this amazing, great visionary and a great creative. And, you know, my team was going to basically make her vision come, come true so to speak so we had to be very close um and and in what we were doing and, and how we were progressing so it's you know, just it, it's just the case of just talking get up and go and talk to someone like don't necessarily just send an email you know um and if you can go up and talk to people like i said we were like an open planned office it was easy for us to go and tap on someone's shoulder and be like oh you got two minutes can we have a quick chat you know um, I'm a strong believer in communication is the best way to like break down silos. So obviously you, you, you guys as a team, you know, and as an organization were super successful. Uh, you know, Net-A-Porte was, uh, it was, it was uh, you know, considered a benchmark, you know, for a lot of other folks, you know, uh, wanting to do uh, uh, fashion digital, you know, uh, in a digital way, right? You know, mm -hmm. it, it, so, uh, uh, you know, certainly you had, uh, you know, the old school players like Neiman's attention, right? You know, and, uh, yeah. uh, you know, everybody was, was paying attention to what you were doing and uh, interested in, 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 in your story. So I assume, you know, I assume you guys internally were pretty proud of that, uh, as well as uh, I assume uh, pretty hungry to, to beat the competition. Yeah, I mean, we were always, you know, leaders, not followers. That was our mantra. Um, and, you know, Natalie Massenet just, in, she drilled it into all of us. It was like the customer is at the heart of everything that we do, you know, and you always have to think about the customer and what does the customer want? Or, or what's the customer, what doesn't the customer, what don't they know what they want? Do you know what I mean? Like same day delivery, mm -hmm. next day delivery. You know, like this was back in 2009, I think it was, or, or, or eight, I can't remember what when we launched it, but you know, it would same day delivery in the same city, like major cities like London and New York. Back at that time, you know, I, I, were Amazon even doing it? I think they were, but it was just how can we service our customers in the most convenient way to them? Table stakes um, now, right? Pun. I said it's table stakes today. Yeah, know. of course. Yeah. But, you know, give the choice to customers. Some people don't want it the same day or the same day. They actually want it in two, three days. You know, like, fine, okay. Um, but it's all about giving that customer the choice and literally putting them everything that we do. And, you know, that also that also had to be the case for online. Are they on their mobile? Are they on desktop? Which browser are they in? You know, the amount of testing that we used to do in IT on, and I remember having these massive debates about Internet Explorer and which version are we going to cut off because <laughs> Internet Explorer always used to be that pain point. It was like, no, it was everything else but Internet Explorer, no. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, it, it was just in our DNA, the customer, the customers at the heart, everything that we do. And I still have I remember sitting through endless debates on should we offer free shipping? You know, that was a, you know, and for they finally just, you know, somebody said, you know, uh, we had a very strong president of e-commerce come in and say, this is stupid. Of course we should be doing free yeah. shipping. What the world is today. Yeah. 
but it's the cost of the business right it's when you look at the p l's and everything else it it, it is a cost of business but what's more important keeping your customers or just taking a little bit of a hit that you will make up for it later on yeah especially especially with the margins you see in luxury yeah yeah um so you know, thinking about you know how passionate you have been about the, the about the Netaporia story. You know, you left in in twenty fifteen. What 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 uh, motivated you to move on? I mean, I was not looking to leave. I, when I left at my leaving party, a lot of people they came up to me separately and were like, "We thought we were going to bury you in a Mister Porter suit bag." Like I'm just not looking to leave, but um, you know I, I'm always open to new opportunities, and I guess the right opportunity came along. I had a lot of opportunities over the years, and I'm like I'm at the best company in the world. Where why would I leave? Um, but then I got an email on LinkedIn about DKNY um, and the opportunity to be VP of Ecom for DKNY. Um, you know, LVMH had still owned it at the time, and um, the public school boys were the designers. Um, Hector Mulis was the gentleman who poached me. He was a chief brand officer, and it was an exciting opportunity. And I was like, I was like 35 at the time, and I was like, oh my god, it's New York, it's it's DKNY, it's like getting a chance to redesign, re replatform. You know, I had to have CRM under me as well, and email, and you know, it was a chance to you know we were going to implement omnichannel, um, as everyone does. Um, and I just couldn't say no. I, I literally just couldn't say no. And it, you know, it it was crazy because when I told my boss I was leaving, I felt like I was breaking up with someone. <laughs> I did. It was. It was just. You know. Yeah. It. It was a very. It was. It was. It felt so right from the beginning. The minute I had my interview, but when it came down to it, you know, and I was thinking about it realistically, I was moving away from my family. I was moving away from my friends and and dear friends that I've known since I was like three years old, and you know, I was moving away from Netaporte, but then on the flip side, I was moving to New York, which to me was the only other city I can live in, um, apart from London. And I was going to work for DKNY and I had a chance to, you know, make a big change there. So I took it. Amazing, amazing. You know, and, and so, I, I, yeah, I'm sure that that was uh, a bit of a culture shock to, you know, go from uh, uh, London to New York, but uh, obviously you've settled in uh, uh, nicely. Uh, uh, and as you said, uh, uh, when you left Netaporia, you went to DKNY uh, uh, and spent some time heading e-commerce uh, uh, for those guys. Uh, and then on to uh, Alison Olivier, I believe, and uh, even some consulting, at least a short gig of consulting with Barney's mm. uh, uh, on e-commerce, which uh, 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 I'd love to pick your brain on that uh, Barney's experience since they were, you know, in my, from my Nima Marcus years, you know, uh, Barney's and Saks is who we thought about most of the time when we were thinking about, you know, uh, direct competition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've always loved Barney's. Always. Even from, you know, coming here as, as a tourist um, before I lived here. 
it was a very cool store, very cool concepts. Um, and, and I loved their actual buy as well. It reminded me a lot of Metaforte because, you know, it was curated and it wasn't what everyone else was buying. Um, so yeah, no, I joined Barney's for a short stint. Um, it was, okay, let me go and see if I like it. Let me see if I like the culture. Let me see if I like, um, you know, what they're doing. And it was an interesting time. I think when I joined, it was kind of like the beginning, not the beginning of the end, that sounds horrible, but it was, I think it was a pivotal time for them. Um, and a lot of changes had happened um, and, and were continuing to happen. Um, I mean, it's very, it's very sad. Um, oh, no. I, look, yeah. even from a competitor's viewpoint, it was sad to see to see that go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I certainly was not rooting for the end uh, uh, for those guys. You know, I thought it was uh, uh, a story that should have continued. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, they, they definitely had the opportunity to do so. Um, and you know there was a lot of visionaries in there and and people who wanted it to succeed it just unfortunately just didn't happen um but you know they were doing great things when i was there they they launched um uh you know um buy online pick up in store um for a short while that was good that was good to be a part of that project um, and there was just like like, like another a lot of things that they had to clean up because they did move away from um one platform to another platform and when they moved to a new platform i think that's when they found challenges you know with merchandising with search and it was just things that you you would take for granted as being the basics but it's the basics that make you that make you successful as well right because if you can't merchandise your page then it's going to be an issue like if you have to keep on working on your search again well, that's an issue and i think a lot of people don't a lot of people don't realize that having an e-com site is it's a lot of work you know and you have to keep on evolving it and you have to keep on working on the basics so you can do the innovative the innovative stuff i lived through a hundred million dollar conversion to oracle uh uh erp and and, and uh at neiman's that didn't go well at first implementation where you know uh, we were not accurately reflecting inventory and selling things that we didn't have and all sorts of terrible uh, experiences yeah. for our customer. And uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, it was it was not easy to fix, but it got fixed. Right. You know, and right. uh, you know, eventually the bumps got smoothed out and, and you know, life moved on. But yeah, it, when you say it's hard, it's absolutely hard. Yeah. Yeah. And it's you know, you need to have the right people as well. You know, you need to have the right team. Um, you need to have knowledgeable people who know what it means to re-platform, you know, what, you know, you connecting all the dots. Because if you don't have the right inventory on site, then what's going to happen? If you're not, if you're not, you know, got the right inventory levels, then you're letting down a customer because they thought they were going to have something and then they don't. Um, well, so I, would, I would assume Barney's had, you know, some issues with, uh, as similar to what my experience was, was that there was an awful lot of legacy systems that had to be brought into play with the new thing. And, uh, you know, bringing, making the old play nice with the new and, and, and really it not being affordable or, or economical or physically possible to just throw out all the old. 
yeah. is where a lot of the, the hard comes in. You know, this this is a, an issue that like a net of Portier wouldn't have because they, mm-hmm. you know, had green, you know, had this greenfield, you know, start, right? I mean, look, and it's a port it was a different story because it was all our own system that we built. That's what it I mean. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you had the other issues. I mean, you, we kept, we had to keep on replatforming, not replatforming, but changing how the platform work and looking at our architecture all the time, you know. Um, but it was easier. You're right. It, it was easier to pivot. Um, but with Barney's, I, I don't, it was, is this new system the right system? Because it's quite a monolithic system. And could it do what we needed it to do? Um, so, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a challenging time. But, you know, like you said, you got the job done no matter what. And the team worked very hard to do that. So you accepted, you know, kind of a challenge to, you know, to change, you know, your career by, you know, coming to New York. And then uh, 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 after Barney's, you took another, you know, kind of a uh, pivot and uh, spent some time at Wellco. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, which looks like it was a sales and marketing role uh a little different than you know what you've been doing previously and now you're in the beauty business on top of that so tell us about that yeah i mean i love a challenge if you can't tell (laughs) um i love a challenge because you know that's how i learn so yes even though i was gm sales and marketing i you know it was i was um responsible for the website as well um and it was yeah i mean it was an interesting business you know i didn't know much about Obviously, I know about beauty, but not being in it um, and and wellness. And again, it was an exciting opportunity. We opened the, the store in Soho. Um, head office um, was in Perth, in Australia. Um, and I love Andrea, who um, was CEO and, and co-founder at the time. Um, I, you know, my interview was over Zoom um, and pre-pandemic, right? So it was before. Um, every single meeting was on Zoom, and, and I was like, "Oh my god! Like, am I going to really accept a job over Zoom?" Um, so I've met this woman before in my life, but actually, we had such a good connection, and she's an amazing person. And I was like, "Yeah, you know what? Actually, this is more of a responsibility for me, um, you know." And um, I wanted to change myself. And for I think about the six, seven months I was there, I had a lot of fun. Again, we were building. Um, and, and I, I'm a builder. Like, I love that idea of building. Like, well, let's build and see where we can take it. Um, and, you know, it, it was like a great opportunity to do it. So we did. Um, unfortunately, there were some issues, um, on t- um, you know, with senior management. And that's that's why I left. Yeah, well, <laughs> that can happen. It's, uh... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was, I was kind of like, uh, yeah, you know, um, Oh, I was just, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, I've forgotten the word. But anyway, stuff happened. Stuff so, happened. You moved on. Stuff happened. I moved on. Yeah. And so, and so, and so here you are uh, today uh, at Eaton, a, a very storied brand, right, with a long history. Yeah. Uh, uh, and... Uh, uh, you're now uh, you're, you're you're not on the customer side. You're on the wholesale uh, side. So uh, you know I'm 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 really interested uh, 
uh, in that story, you know, having come from, you know, I, my 16 years at Neiman's, you know, this is a brand that was around from 1907, right? You know, so we always had that, that long history that we had to live up to, right? But, yeah. you know, we had, we had to, you know, modernize what we were doing and, and kind of move with the times on top of that, which was not always easy uh, uh, to do. Uh, and it, you know, it, it, it feels like, you know, kind of researching, you know, what you've been up to uh, since you've been there, that you've been doing some fairly innovative stuff, you know, uh, you've brought to the table uh, in this new role, uh, including uh, this uh, Eaton Digital Showroom, which I'd love to learn more about. Yeah. Um, so, again, I wanted to pivot. I wanted, to, I've always been on the D2C side for like 15 years and this opportunity came up. I was like, huh. Wholesale. I mean, I know about wholesale and I've worked with wholesale teams, but I've never actually been in a wholesale team. And, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't, I mean, I knew what it, what we had, what I had to do, which is, you know, work with the sales team um, and our partners, you know, our customers, B2B customers and growing the online sales. Um, so, and, you know, Eaton's such a great company and such a, you know, such great people as well. Um, so with the digital showroom, it's under our, um, under the, um, we've got a global, uh, God, what's his title? It's Global Customer Excellence Director, Jacob Dahl. And he'd been, he's been at the company for years, I think six, seven, seven, eight years. And he started off as a sales associate, not sales associate, like a sales manager. Um, and he kind of realized that, you know, we need to make it easier for our customers to purchase online. Like we expect our, our end consumers have got everything online. So why don't our retail customers, you know, have some have the same thing? Um, and we're very fortunate that it launched in 2000, late 2019. We launched a digital showroom, um, which basically all like our, of all our collections that's when our customers can buy um the product and we've also got another site which is um the b2b which is all our like replenishment and what we call wardrobe essentials so our continuity product customers can also buy it on there as well so you don't have to you know you don't now have to go to a showroom and buy the product um and when you know, when we first launched, there were a lot of customers who were quite, you know, resilient to it. They like, no, we want to come to a showroom and we want to buy the product. Great. Fair enough. You can do that. Um, you know, but we also wanted to start pushing people to buy online, um, which was a crazy concept because all these retailers have got websites where their customers are buying online. Right. But it just some of them just they, they couldn't get it just didn't resonate with them because they're so used to being in person and buying from the showroom. Um, so, you know, I'm always trying to find a silver lining in the pandemic. 2020. Well, your, timing was, your timing was pretty good. Uh, the, timing you know, was <laughs> the timing was definitely spot on. Um, and so, you know, in the middle, you know, pandemic hit and it was like, Oh my God, what's happening? Um, and, you know, a lot of our customers, they didn't want to buy anything else because they wanted to, um, you know, they had to get rid of the inventory that they already had. Sure. You know, melt the pile. You know, you've got, you've got, you just literally just shipped a new season and the pandemic hit. 
So we didn't know whether people were going to, you know, use other B2B platforms or the digital sharing platform, but we kept going. Um, and we found that even though our customers wanted to melt the pile, the end consumer, they still want newness, right? Mm. You don't want to be seeing the same thing three, four months down the line. You want to see new stuff. Even at that point, people weren't really going anywhere. <laughs> I think people were still shopping um, and purchasing stuff because we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know how long it was going to last. Um, so people were hopeful. But what's good and you know, is that even today when we're seeing a lot of markets open up, and um, people are just companies don't want their their people, you know, they think safety first. You know, if you don't have to fly, don't fly. If you don't need to go to a show, a physical showroom, don't go. You know, you've got the means now to buy it from a digital showroom, which is a website essentially. So, you know, um, yeah, would definitely is definitely great timing, but it's also even though, you know, Eaton is it's 90 year old company um and with the new leadership um you know it was very much okay how can we digitize a lot of our tools um mariana uh, how much of the business is b2b and how much of the business is direct to consumer uh it's definitely come down i think we're kind of like mid six i think about 65 70 percent is wholesale all right it's a lot. Yeah, it's like it's come down though since I joined. It definitely has because we replatformed our. We had, we got a new um, e-commerce director who came from Google, uh, yeah. and and there she's been in the business. He started January two thousand nineteen, uh, no two thousand twenty actually. Sorry. Um, so you know we replatformed, redesigned, and are definitely now more focused on 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 direct to consumer, and. You know, he and I always say that even though I'm in wholesale, he's in e-com, we're digital sales. Yeah. So my role, I'm still looking at the end consumer. You know, my responsibility is whatever the whatever the sales team, whatever our customers have bought, I've got to make sure that we are giving them the best tools and that Eaton um, and the product is being presented in the best way possible. So, you know, it's I'm not directly working with the end consumer, but my my goal is the end consumer you know are the product and it's going to sound again it's the basics the product description is correct the image is correct are the product titles correct are you getting your product on time are we giving you marketing tools so you can sell the products to your end consumers you know um are your merchandising to your visual merchandising teams your copy team so they've got enough knowledge of the product mm -hmm. so um yeah it's definitely we're now more of a D to C focused company than we were in the past. All right. Yeah. I spent a, a lot of time uh, thinking about, you know, digital transformation for our merchant teams. Uh, and, you know, th th there was definitely uh, uh, a lot of room for, you know, bringing technology to bear, you know, to, to make, you know, to make, to give them a better, more efficient uh, process and, uh, so forth. So I said, you know, I, I see, you know, I see a lot of parallels uh, uh, to your story here. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, constantly came up, you know, when I was thinking of that role was the whole visualization of the garment and the material and how it draped and, you know, da, 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 da. You know, those were all things that 
they would go to market to find out. Yeah. I also, I also suspect a lot of the reason, you know, that a lot of the uh, folks that did that job took that job was because they got to travel to market. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, that yeah. was, that that was not traveling. Come on. It, it, it didn't really, I, I don't think it paid all that great, you know? So the perk was you got to travel to all these cool places. Right. Uh, uh, and you got a discount, uh, you know, when you bought yeah. your, when you bought your stuff, but the, uh, uh, <laughs> did, did, so who did, did you did you build you know your how did you solve the visualization problem did you partner you know with somebody did you build it in house what the, how'd you how'd you go at it for the digital showroom yeah. yeah yeah so we partnered with a company called Centra um, and they're a Swedish company I believe they did like Nudie Jeans website um, and essentially they basically built kind of like a PIM. Mm -hmm. um, ex not mm -hmm. accidentally, but just as they were doing this digital show, I'm like, huh, it's kind of like a pimp. This is great. Um, so that's who we partnered with. And, you know, that relationship worked so well that we've actually used them for our own e-commerce site as well. Oh, yeah. So they're really cool. They're a really cool team. Um, you know, they're really innovative. They, they partner well. You know, they want to push the boundaries. Um, so it, it was a good partnership. So, you know, I think there's there's probably a pretty good sustainability story uh, to this as well. I mean, you've uh, you've reduced travel, you know, as part of this. Uh, uh, you don't have uh, merchants running around with reams of paper, uh, you know, at market. Um, uh, are you guys uh, taking advantage of that story as well, the sustainability piece? Yeah, I mean, and this was like before the pandemic, you know, it was always, you know, it, it was something that we just, the team just kicked off and just started. Well, not just started, but, you know, been talking about it for a while, but actually had a plan in place. Um, and again, the pandemic just accelerated the plan. Um, and we, you know, we've reduced travel, um, which definitely helps a lot. Um, can I just say, side note, I still believe in person, like meetings and communication is still a great way. Sure. Um, you know, it's not just about let's just completely get alienate and, and get rid of like in person appointments, but let's have the option at least. Uh, no, um, I look, if I don't get out of this house soon, you know, <laughs> I, I, I need I, I, travel, travel does need to happen. I oh my god, Scott, literally, I was traveling like every six to seven weeks, and now I'm like, yeah. okay, I've been in the same city, the same state for like a year. What's going on? I don't know. Um, but yes, so in terms of sustainability, you know, definitely the traveling and and has helped, but also we, you know, our our, our cotton, um, our organic, our cotton's becoming with using more sustainable organic cotton. We've just done a partnership with Cebu, um, which I, I don't know if you know it, Carlos, but it's a it's a it started in two thousand nineteen. And it's a Swedish Moroccan company um, yeah. that sell rugs and they make mm -hmm. their own rugs. And we basically, um, they go to fashion brands and get the access fabric that they don't use. Um, so we just um, donated a whole lot of fabrics to them and they managed to make some beautiful rugs. Um, and we've also, for a limited time, got um, a cut, they, you can have your own custom made rug with Eaton fabric. Cool. So, 
yeah so that's on the limited time at the moment on their side yeah so you know we're always looking at ways where you know where we can help um and we can make a difference doesn't matter how small how big it is um but for me from a personal level it's important that i'm working for a company like that you know um which eaton is and 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 it's great Mm uh uh still like on this uh on the sustainability side and content creation side and maybe marketing side, what can you tell us about, you know, uh, maybe some of the changes and maybe how it is to work with uh, the Swedes? You know, I think they're pretty uh, laid back, right? Like, like they, <laughs> let's say, compared to... I think, Carlos, you claimed that uh, Swedes and, and uh, uh, Danes were very similar. Well, they, 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 always say, they always say they're very different, but I would I would say they're not. They're quite similar. They're quite they're similar. similar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're cool. They're cool people. Yeah, it's very it's very chill. It's very, right. even they're in the Nordics, they're very much of a Mediterranean attitude. It's, yeah. Right, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> well, you, know, you got the Brits and then the US. I'm like, we want it now. We need it exactly. now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it's just another different culture culture mix to get to know, and like you know, brilliant people, um, mm-hmm. lovely people, very calm people. Like I said, there's me, the London, the Greek Londoner guy. I need this. What are you doing? <laughs> right. um, but yeah, so to go back to your question again, great timing um, with with what we did, and we 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 built a new in house studio. That also went live at the end of 2019. So when it came to creating content in the pandemic, for us mm-hmm. it was, you know, we had to do it safely, but um, it wasn't as much as an issue as it would have been if we didn't have our own studio. And a lot of our customers, you know, they had to furlough some of their staff. Well, a lot of their staff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, so we have, we, we service our retailers by giving them like our vendor products, so our VPIs, our product images. Um, and some of our customers, they wanted to shoot their own images because, you know, they've got their own style, their own kind of, um, of branding coming along and how they're styling and shooting, but they couldn't shoot anymore. And they had all these new products that they had to upload and they didn't have a team to shoot it. So, because we were able to still carry on with that production, we then gave them our content, um, which was great. And then we also, you know, last year, you know, all our marketing initiatives, we had to rethink about, like, because, you know, you had to be sensitive to to what, what was going on. So, um, and we did this work at home initiative that um, anyone who posted um, a, a social media, image of themselves in an Eaton shirt or an Eaton product and tagged us and tagged work from home. Um, we donated shirts to Dress for Success and Career Goals in the US. So Dress and Success is the UK, um, Career Goals is in the US where they help um, where they help people get back to work. Um, so we don't so we donated a shirt to every for every post. Um, so uh, you know again we wanted to be sensitive to what was going on and we, and we wanted to help in our own way. Um, and then we did like, and because of the studio as well, we managed to do um, a campaign called seven days, seven ways, which was a great mm-hmm. success. And that was focusing on our casual range. Now, coincidentally, we had launched our casual range like 
new category um, a few years back, but it was quite small um, and we weren't really pushing it as much as we should have been, but because of the pandemic, you know, we had to just accelerate those plans. So our marketing was becoming more about casual, which was great mm. for us because it was a new category that we we're pushing, um, but it was also very relevant um, to mm -hmm. work from home. Because, you know, we, we joked that a lot of guys had their shirts hanging up for their Zoom meetings. You know, they would wear it and then they'll just take the T-shirt off. But actually, if you've got a comfortable, casual shirt, you can do both. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, we definitely had to be, um, it was the same thing, sensitive to what was going on. But also, you know, have a little bit lightheartedness and, and, and sell product. And <laughs> we tried right. to do. And, 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 and do, you, do you think that the that the Ethan customer is someone who demands that sort of attitude like environmental, uh, you know, uh, ESG, I think it's the big word in the street uh, nowadays, right? I, I interviewed uh, Professor Raj Sisodia who, who, uh, who was, you know, the guy who helped, uh, what, what's, the name of, what's the name of the founder of the Whole Foods Market? You remember him, uh, Scott? Or you guys remember? I, uh, no, I think, uh, sorry. Anyhow, he's he was the guy with the, the founder of the Whole Foods Market who was he, he did a study on how investing in the community and uh, you know actions as such like taking care of the community. You don't really need to invest in marketing because then you got you got like the word in the street, word of mouth, people talking about your brand and stuff like that. So I'm actually curious on on this side of the business as well since you're talking about sustainability. You know, um, how is it that you guys managed to survive, right, with the customers that you have and, and these actions? Um, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if our customer demands it, um, mm -hmm. but I know they're conscious of it. Right. So, you know, um, and that's hard to say how, I know that, but we just know, like, because they do take part in these initiatives and they do, um, you know, they do comment when we do mm -hmm. initiatives like with, with Cebu. Um, and, you know, Eaton is very well known in Sweden. It's definitely like a heritage brand. And, you know, we do, even with like our collaborations and people we use, like brand ambassadors that we use, um, they're local. So they're lo local Swedish businessmen. Um, right that we use and, and even like over here, like um, Marcus um, Samuelson, who is an Ethiopian Swede, you know, he's a chef for Red Rooster. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we work with him and, you know, we give like, gave him some shirts as well. So it's, it's, it's giving back, it's working with the community, working with local like brand ambassadors. Um, And through them, like they get, to, they know the brand, right? And through them, they will talk about Eaton. So right. it's definitely like, it's keeping it local, um, keeping it real um, mm -hmm. and kind of like word of mouth as well. That's your best, your customers are your best pieces of, of, of marketing and advertising, right? Mm. Um, it, we have got a very loyal customer base, very loyal. Like once we've got you, like, you know, it's great quality. You know, for me, I think it's a great price range. Um, 
and Eaton's just a lovely company and I think that comes through in in everything that we do um and our customers love it and then you know they will then then they will go and then tell their friends but what I what actually was interesting when I first joined like I hadn't re I heard of Eaton but I didn't realize how successful it was and how many men actually wore it and when I spoke to a lot of my my male friends I'm like oh yeah I'm going you know to Eaton like even my 60 my, my 56 year old cousin right who just he he's not a fashion guy but when he buys and he likes a brand he would just buy in bulk and he's like oh my god yeah Eaton love Eaton all my friends all my mm -hmm. guy friends they all have Eaton shirts I'm like why have you never told me this before like why have you never mentioned them <laughs> right, and I'm like, right. you know like it's just one of those That's things very, like, mm, it's, like, it's, a okay, rare, it's a very rare guy discussion says you're right like yeah but I think that comes down to being Swedish right I think it's <laughs> fair enough so um, Time has flown by. Yeah, uh, we had we had several uh, things uh, that we wanted to talk to you about that we haven't even hit upon yet, including maybe we can end on this, you know, kind of an overview. Both Carlos and I are very interested in your involvement with the Hive and what that is and what that means and who should belong and you know what are they getting out of it. What are they getting out of it? Oh, people, uh, uh, the, people the members, yeah, yeah. Um, we so the hive i knew the hive from england i used to go to quite a few of their events and what i liked liked about the hive is that you were networking with peers from other businesses from other companies and you didn't have a vendor trying to sell you their platform or trying to sell you their services they were there <laughs> but they were there in the background right and i love that because i don't like going to an event and i just got Oh, we would like to talk to you about this. And we were like, come on, really? Um, so yeah, it was it was great because you were, you know, uh, we have a lot of roundtables, um, and you were able to get knowledge and see what other people were doing. And then um, pre-pandemic days, um, Nodge and Sally Green wanted to, you know, they did their first event in New York and wanted to make it have a great network in New York. And myself and another Hive member, Marcus, we were like, well, why don't we kind of start off like with some founding members in New York and from our networks and we can kind of spread, you know, the mm -hmm. word about the Hive, um, which is what we did. And, you know, then the pandemic hit and they had to move all their events online. But you're basically getting inside knowledge from the people who are actually working at other businesses, sorry. Um, mm -hmm. And their expertise so yeah it's very it's very in it's very like what's going on now it's just for brands and retailers correct um at the moment yeah it's retailers they do have a finance mm. uh hive as well but right. yeah it's like any brands like vendors do get involved now um mm. and yeah they're, they're a great it's a great network to be a part of yeah i think there's something called the revenue collective which is for vendors and so right, yeah. I, think, I think that's, I mean, that's the future because the future of B2B sales, so to speak, I, I think it's so much word of mouth. You might think something is cool, but you were, you, you're going to check up with your uh, colleagues, right? So mm -hmm. that's, that's quite interesting. Um, I have a friend who uh, wants to ask you a question. He's yeah. a, 
he's here. So he's saying perhaps regarding the cross-border trade between uh, between Europe and U.S. and how European brands are perceived in the U.S. As in, Ethan is large here, but how quickly did they grow in the U.S.? Uh, well, North America is our largest market. All right. Very so, nice. You know, geographically, obviously, North America is massive. Uh -huh. uh, but yeah, like say so my boss, Eric Wilkinson, he's a chief sales officer. He was, you know, he when he joined about 10 years ago, you know, he was he was a part of the team who bought Eaton over here and really grew the wholesale side and Eaton brand, you know, um, you know, over here. Um, I don't know if you know him, Scott. I, um, Eric was at Neiman's for quite a while. He was a men's buyer there. Um, and you know, I, I think I think we 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 crossed paths, but we're not a you know this was not a day to day working relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he, you know, Eaton is perceived differently over here than it is in Europe, because you know it being a Swedish brand and being so well known in Europe, it's well known over here, but with its customers, I'm I, I it's not as old, you know. Um, there's still a lot of work to do in terms of the US market, which is great because it is our largest market now. And then there's massive opportunity. Um, and I do think like, not just for Eaton, but for every European brand, you have to speak to the US in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, still adhering to your brand values and to your, you know, your brand voice and, and your aesthetic. But I do believe you have to tweak it a little bit um, for the US. I don't know if that answers the question, but we. I, think, oh, I answered it well. All right, so I think I think that's a good uh, a good uh, uh, exit point uh, for today's chat. Uh, uh, amazingly, we didn't really even th there was no real deep dive pandemic talk, uh, which is I think it's a sign of the times, right? That maybe we're uh, starting to come up for air uh, from this thing. At least it's starting to feel that way. Um, let's hope in so. Market, in, in, in some markets, yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I realize that, that yeah, there's still a, uh, a ways to go, but you know, it, it feels like we're looking at the beginning of the end, maybe, uh, uh, in, in some cases. So uh, let's hope that yeah, continues. Hope so. We want yeah. to. We want to really thank you for coming and and, and taking thank some you of your valuable time to spend with us. Yeah. Thank you. Great chatting to you guys. Okay, great. Thank, thank you so much. See you. Bye-bye.